It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Are you vaccinated? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very very pro-vaccination. We've, uh, the science is unequivocal. I treat it to that effect. But by the same token, I I am against forcing people to be vaccinated. You know, I think this is just not something we should do in America. I think we should encourage people to be vaccinated, strongly try to convince them to be vaccinated, but not force them to be vaccinated or, or, for example, force them to get vaccinated or get fired. That, that was the voice of Elon Musk, uh, of course, of Tesla, the inventor of Tesla. He was uh, named Man of the Year for Time magazine, and the left is having a fit. Elon is over all over the map. He says some things that are very conservative. He's a maverick. He has his own thoughts, and he expresses them. But he just, you just heard what he said about vaccinations. So I'm sure they will be apoplectic about that as well. Well, by the way, good morning, Sandy Rios with you, and it's nice to have this time with you. I hope to... Uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about always, and so I'm always prayerful about which of this uh, hundreds of sheets of paper I should share with you. So I'm going to just jump in here with, I think, one of the most important things for you to know today. Uh, today, the Congress is going to have like a moment of silence uh, to to mark the more than 800,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy will join other bipartisan members of Congress in the eastern steps of the Capitol to commemorate the grim milestone, according to a press release. And here's the stats, according to them. More than 450,000 Americans died from COVID-19 in 2021, uh, and uh, but the number of deaths in 2020 were... Uh, Uh, 385,343. So 2021, according to the government statistics, uh, has uh, outpaced 2020 for deaths. Uh, This is what Chuck Schumer said. It is a particularly jarring at this moment, a moment of recovery, optimism, and hope to remember the enormity of lives lost over the last 15 months. Not only that, we face the grim reality that these recent fatalities happened while Americans were on the verge of getting the vaccine. Some had their appointment just days away. So, of course, we're led to believe that if only those people had had the vaccine, they would be living. And, of course, that is fall de roll. We know that this new variant is attacking vaccinated people. It seems in greater numbers than people that are unvaccinated. Uh, there's finally one death reported in the U.K., and Boris Johnson's reporting that death. I'm sure that the uh, the the CDC and the FDC, uh, uh, the FDA and Dr. Fauci are rejoicing. Finally, they got a death from this new variant, uh, which of course affirms all that they're saying. That's the reason they're stopping travel around the world. That's the reason that now you must have more boosters, and now they're going to, um, you know, lock down on travel. And now in California, New York, and other states, you must wear masks indoors. And because there's been one death worldwide. 
one death and we have to, you know, jump to do this. And we have to commemorate those 800,000 who've lost their lives. Now, if you think I'm mocking people losing their lives from COVID, you don't know me. Uh, I'm not. I am furious with the people who are dying from COVID. But I know that they're dying from COVID because they're not getting treatment, because Chuck Schumer and those who express their concern about people dying don't really give a flying leap about people dying. I will give you an example of that. As a matter of fact, in the, um, let's see, uh, in the new uh, spending bill, Biden's spending bill, (laughs) one little problem, they've decided to cut hospital funding, but not for every state, just for Florida and Texas and the red states. They're going to cut hospital funding. But the blue states, no, no, they'll get full funding. I wonder what in the world's happening there. They're really concerned about lives. Are they not? They're really concerned about lives. And let me point out to you, remind you, as you hear Congress today, you hear the statements and the speeches and the long faces and the, and the masks that the way they counted COVID deaths was ridiculous. We know that now. We know that. It's been well re- documented that, <clears throat> excuse me, Hospitals were given incredible financial incentives to claim that patients had COVID so they could die of motorcycle accidents. I heard about one electrician falling off a ladder uh, who who died with COVID. Uh, People can be found in the streets dead. They can die from, you know, something they've had chronic illnesses for years, cancer, heart disease. But if they could just, you know, test positive for COVID, they were claimed to have died of COVID. It was a complete sham. And if you don't believe me, I was shocked to see that Saturday night, on Saturday Night Live, they actually did a skit with uh, one of their actors, actresses actually doing uh, Dr. Fauci. And just a little part of it, I want to point out, because even they got the memo on blaming COVID on the deaths of thousands and thousands of people who did not die from COVID. So if you can laugh about it, here's a chance to do that. Clip seven. And now, a holiday message from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Do people still think I'm sexy, or are we done with that? When people see me on TV, they think, oh, this can't be good. Now, of course, the pandemic has also affected people economically. Keep that in mind as you watch this next scene, two unemployed brothers on Christmas Day. Hello. I am disgraced former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. Disgraced former CNN host, Chris Cuomo. And we both lost our jobs because of COVID. All right, so there you go. And that's the way it goes. That's really, I mean, that is the way it goes. Everybody lost their jobs. Everybody lost their life uh, because of COVID. So those those numbers are bogus, and I find it disgusting that they feign concern about people dying when they are doing everything they can from uh, approving remdesivir as the chief a uh, drug that's given in hospitals which calls renal and kidney failure, uh, that they will not, they, they're not allowing doctors to give uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine was so vilified, and these were effective and are effective treatments. Uh, so they don't, they don't care. Uh, it's a lie that they have any kind of concern. It'll be hard to listen to them opine and weep today about all the deaths. Uh, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, is the inventor, again, of the 
the technology, the mRNA vaccine technology that's been used with this vaccination. I mentioned him at length yesterday, but he made a statement uh, that kind of makes concise the things he was saying about children getting vaccinations, and I wanted you to hear it. It's clip four. Let's listen. My name is Robert Malone. I'm a physician and a scientist, but more importantly, I'm a father and a grandfather. I don't usually read from a prepared speech, but this is so important that I wanted to make sure that I got every single word and fact, scientific fact, correct. I stand by this statement with a career dedicated to vaccine research and development. I'm vaccinated for COVID, and I'm generally pro-vaccination. I've devoted my entire career to developing safe and effective ways to prevent and treat infectious diseases. Before you inject your child, a decision that is irreversible, I wanted to let you know the scientific facts about this genetic vaccine, which is based on the RNA vaccine technology I created. There are three main issues that parents need to understand before they take this irrevocable decision. The first is that a viral gene will be injected into your parents' cells. This gene forces your child's body to make toxic spike proteins. These proteins often cause permanent damage in children's critical organs. The second thing you need to know is about the fact that this novel technology has not been adequately tested. We need at least five years of testing and research before we can really understand the risks associated with this new technology. The harms and risk from new medicines often become revealed many years later. Finally, in summary, the risk-benefit analysis is not even close with this vaccine for children. As a parent and grandparent, my strong recommendation to you is to resist and fight to protect your children. All right, that's an abbreviated version of a statement, by the way. He talks about the damage to their brain and nervous system, their heart and blood vessels, including blood clots, their reproductive system, fundamental changes in their immune system. And he talks about how you cannot repair this. You can't fix the lesions within their brain. You cannot repair heart tissue scarring. You cannot repair a genetically reset immune system. And this vaccine can cause reproductive damage that could affect future generations in your family. I I know I talked about it yesterday, but I'm really passionate about this. I've sent this to all my friends, so many of my friends who don't agree with me. Um, Some of them do, some of them don't. I'm I'm trying to save their lives, the lives of their children. I'm trying to prevent, like, how could I sit silently by? And I would just say, uh, we will post this statement of Dr. Malone on our Facebook page. I hope you can get to it. I guess if you if you specifically enter Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk, you should be able to make your way there, uh, although it's probably not coming in your feed anymore. Uh, but uh, it's called Before Your Child is Injected, Watch Dr. Robert Malone's Statement on Child COVID Vaccinations. It's so important. It's so important. If we can't all agree on keeping our children safe, then I don't really know what the next step is. I really don't have an answer. All right, so um, 
Tucker Carlson did a really interesting uh, monologue last night, as he always does, and he was talking about uh, a situation in Amsterdam where a man was on a plane, and the plane was stopped, and all of these uh, policemen surrounded the plane and stormed it and pulled the guy out of his seat, and everyone you know, looked as though he was a criminal, uh, but he wasn't a criminal. It's just that he, don't ask me to explain, but this is what Tucker reported, uh, that he had taken a COVID test and it came out negative. Uh, so he didn't have COVID, but for some reason, they had been tracking his travel. They'd been tracking him, and they had knew that he'd been traveling a lot, and they were assured, or they were just sure, he was a danger of some kind, even though he he tested negative for COVID. So they dragged him off the plane and took him to, where? well, you know, a place that he has to, these, this uh, um, internment camps, I guess I would call it that, where he can't leave. He's a prisoner now. This is in Amsterdam. It's happening all over the world. And if you think it's not going to happen here, listen to this montage, media montage of people who have, you know, great plans for you and for me. This is clip 11. And I think what uh, the administration missed a big opportunity this week to tell the American people that we're going to mandate vaccination for air travel in the United States. We're, we're requiring vaccination for people traveling into the United States. So why aren't we mandating vaccination for tr people traveling within the United States. I don't think anyone should be allowed on an airplane, domestic or international, or a train, without being able to prove they've been vaccinated. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's where we're moving. That was Dr. Erwin Redliner, who is uh, a pediatrician. He's not a virologist. He's not, he doesn't have the expertise of a Dr. Robert Malone by a mile, 10 miles perhaps, and he's an advisor to uh, Andrew Cuomo. So uh, that's the kind of people that are trying to make these decisions. And last but not least about this before we take a break, and we're going to have some fun actually next. I know, it's hard to believe, but we are going to. Uh, the Supreme Court yesterday rejected a religious liberty challenge to the New York vaccine mandate. This is by healthcare workers who said that they could not get an exemption for religious reasons. And the, the court rejected their argument six to three. The dissenters were Justice Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. Uh, and uh, uh, the others, of course, we've got Amy Coney Barrett, we've got uh, Kavanaugh, and, uh, and John, uh, John Roberts, and the left, all chipping in. And speaking of Chip, uh, Chip Roy says to the Congress, you see now why some of us fought to defund vax mandates in the CR. Do you understand? You should have taken your responsibility. And uh, Mike Davis says, you have lifetime and tenure. Your job is protected. Do your job. So there you go. When an abortion-minded woman walks into a pre-born pregnancy center, she encounters love and compassion and gets to meet her baby by ultrasound. And I was like, I'm going to go to the abortion clinic. And I already had my mind made up. This mom didn't make it to the abortion clinic. Instead, God led her to a pre-born center. And the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces, and then she's like, it's two. And I'm like, I just start crying. I start texting my friends, and like, I can't. The Ministry of Preborn was able to help this mom save not just one life, but two through ultrasounds. Preborn centers help save babies' lives and souls. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Jen Easterly, Director of CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. She leads the efforts to understand, manage, and reduce risk to the cyber and physical infrastructure Americans rely on. Psalm 4.8 reminds us of the protection given to us by God. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jen Easterly in her work at CISA. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. With the generous support of listeners like you, our radio ministry is in our fourth year on the air. Keep the power of prayer going and become a regular sustaining member. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. The CDC is turning into a government spy agency. The Epoch Times reports the CDC is expanding surveillance at four major airports, including JFK, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Newark, New Jersey, all part of their effort to crack down on the China virus. The CDC is working with airlines to acquire personal information on passengers should the need for contact tracing arise. It's all rather dubious. On Tuesday, some 80 House Republicans joined Democrats to create a national vaccine database. It's called the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. And if signed into law, it would allow public and private health care providers the right to share your personal health information. I've listed the names and email addresses of every Republican who voted for this nonsense on my website. Now, whether or not you have a broken arm or the sniffles, it is absolutely no business of the CDC or President Biden. I'm Todd Starnes. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the morning. If I were a betting person right now, I'd say Trump is going to run again. I mean, he seems to be setting himself up to do that. And if he's not held accountable, then he gets to do it again. I think that could be the end of our democracy, not to be too, you know, pointed about it. But I want people to understand that this is a make or break point. If he were or someone of his ilk were once again to be elected president, and if especially he had a Congress that would do his bidding, you will not recognize our countries. Just remember, <clears throat> when the left says something, they're always putting on the right what they themselves are doing. Just remember that because she's very convincing. That's Mrs. Hillary Clinton, who could have been our president. And, of course, she sees that a re-election of Donald Trump would be the end of democracy when we know that uh, if we cannot prevail in the next presidential election or the next elections, it will, in fact, be the end of democracy. So just remember that when you hear them speak, whatever they're saying, uh, whatever they're claiming that the right is doing is exactly 
what they are doing. Well, I told you we were going to have some fun. And so you have to flip a switch. I have to flip a, flip a switch because it's hard to have fun when you're talking about this stuff. But this is fun. And um, someone that I know well who's actually a very good friend of mine, uh, and in spite of the co- topics that he talks all, about all the time, actually also has a great sense of humor and likes to have fun. His name is Frank Gaffney. He's the founder of Center for Security Freedom, Center for Security Policy. He's also the host of Secure Freedom Radio, which is heard on this network every night at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. And you hear him every day on my show with a commentary, a great commentary he never misses, which is a marvel to me. And he joins us this morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sandy. Uh Uh-oh. Are you awake? I am more than awake. I am rearing to go. (laughs) All right, all right. Well, let's talk about this because this is actually a game that has been produced by an organization called Election Fun Network. It's called Election 2020, You Decide. So um, our friend John Solomon uh, wrote an article about this. So let me just share what he says, Frank, before you weigh in here. Uh, He says, the creator of Election 2020, You Decide, hopes the game becomes the nation's favorite pastime. Players divide into two teams, Democrats and Republicans, and compete for 270 electoral college votes. But the game's not over when you achieve that. Once the electoral hurdle is passed, players enter the inside game, during which they compete for sensationalized media sound bites and the electoral votes of swing states that will decide the election. Last but not least, players navigate the game using a series of features including fake news cards where players must answer rapid-fire questions about major media disinformation or corruption cards which prompt the playing of video footage of candidates flip-flopping on their positions and factual data. And the big four states, those with the most electoral votes that players must chase around the board. Okay, so enough of that. Frank, how in the world are you involved in this game? I mean, this is just too much fun for you. Why are you doing this part? <laughs> it is way too much fun for me. Um, Sandy, it's uh, been brought to me by a friend, and uh, over the past seven or eight months, as I've seen this thing evolve, uh, I've become a champion of it, a huge fan, and someone who really believes that this can be game-changing as well as a fun, educational, and very entertaining game. And in that sense, I mean, this is a vehicle uh, for de-gaslighting us on a whole host of issues. The main focus of it, of course, is is the election of 2020, the presidential race specifically. But in the process, uh, the folks who put this together have very creatively done a couple of things. One, they've integrated some technology into this that, as John Solomon's wonderful send-up described, give you access on your cell phone through QR codes on the cards, the corruption cards, the fake news cards, and others, to videos and and documents and testimony and other things that that really teach you the truth despite <laughs> all of the big lies we've been told on so many of these fronts and the other thing is they talk not just as i say about the election sandy they talk about the russia hoax they talk about uh, uh, dr fauci and and the covid drama uh, they talk about hunter biden's laptop and other stuff that is the sort of thing that we've all been 
challenged by endlessly, um, usually by our friends on the left who insist that never mind what your lying eyes are telling you, here's the truth. And this game called Election 2020, you decide, and you can find out all about it, you can order it at electionfun.com. Um, is just a wonderful antidote to the gaslighting and I think a way forward for an awful lot of us who not only want to know what the truth is, but want to make sure that we're operating on the basis of it going forward. You know, just the box is hilarious. Uh, I, here, okay, so you got the box, your game box, and on, on one of the things it says, Hunter's laptop not included. And then it says, uh, get your game on, lie, cheat, and still win. And then and it's got <laughs> pictures of, what what got, Biden's card has what corruption and uh, I can't read uh, President Trump fake news fake news okay so the card yeah. with their likeness on it is what they say and um, right. I think as I understand it Frank this is also kind of updates as things change because of the technology is that right yeah that's the beauty of it is Sandy it, it is a living game in the sense that because those cards have QR codes you can have those QR codes updated all the time with new information as it breaks, new videos, new new questions even, that will keep this thing, I think, very, very handy and fun, probably for generations, actually, certainly for the years in the immediate future. And that's so important because what, what it's talking about is the nature of and the future of our country, really. And so we want to be kept abreast of these things. We want to learn more. We want to have it all come to us, though, in an entertaining way. And I think uh, they've they've captured it uh, brilliantly. It's um, They've got, uh, among other things, a huge spoof on uh, all of the pundits and TV hosts uh, with uh, a sort of uh, uh, virtual newsroom filled with avatars that resemble um, people you're familiar with, Sandy, <laughs> your audience, <laughs> who we're accustomed to hearing either, in some cases, the truth, in other cases, the uh, the gaslighting from. And, and you hear them sort of interacting on some of these stories, which is great fun as well. So I, I think that people are going to find this something that they're not only going to want to and entertain themselves and share with their friends and family, they're going to want to give one to their leftists in their lives <laughs> who have been doing the gaslighting all this time. I yeah, who won't be, be able to play it because won't be able to play it because they won't know anything. Let me uh, let me just say that what you're talking about is what they're calling the talking heads, and the characters are yes. Ra- Raquel Sadnow and Tuckle Carlson, <laughs> and then uh, Doctor Richard others. Head is the world-renowned yes, virologist. Yeah, among others. Anyway, just a ton of fun, and it's just very, very cleverly put together. Uh, it has some endorsements. I want to share some of those. Okay, so hang on a second. This is Scott Morrison, who's the Prime Minister of Australia. Uh, let that soak in, given all that's happening in Australia. And he says, COVID lockdowns remain in effect and will be strictly enforced unless you have a gathering to play the election 2020 board game. No mask required. <laughs> And then Omar right. al-Zahid, who was the Taliban press secretary. This is his uh, endorsement. Mm-hmm. Playing election mm-hmm. 2020 with ISIS is our new, uh, as is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. playing election 2020 with ISIS in our new Apache helicopters from Joe Biden was so funny <laughs> that we're allowing women to play. 
And then Xi Jinping, president of the People's Republic of China. This is his endorsement of election 2020. You decide poker night with the PLA turned into election 2020 board game night, a must-have for every Chinese household. Oh, my goodness. Every party operative, exactly. And, and, you know, that just gives you a flavor of it. Of course, none of those really are their endorsements, but it's the kind of— spoofing it's the kind of sardonic humor it's the kind of quality of of ridicule really that i think is is so warranted by what we've been subjected to here and i keep returning to this phrase i'm sure your audience is very familiar with it gaslighting where yeah. you know people have deliberately told us lies and then as you were suggesting earlier you know projecting on us the fact that we're the liars it's it's just a moment when finally you need some levity and some, as I say, ridicule to penetrate what's been subjected, all the American people have been subjected to, and it's a way to fight back and enjoy yourself in the process of doing so. So check it out at electionfund.com. Yeah, uh, Frank, let me just interject. Christmas, might I add? Yes, my my wheels are turning about that, as a matter of fact. Um, (laughs) You know, I was just, uh, you gave me a chance to kind of restate. I have talked about gaslighting, of course, but it's been a long time. So let me just say Mm. that that term came from a movie. Uh, It was made several times, but the the version I'm familiar with was in the 40s with Ingrid Bergman. Right. Uh, And uh, she marries, yeah, so she marries this guy. Oh, you know, she's a beautiful woman, but she's young and kind of innocent. And he begins to tell her there are things in certain places or things have disappeared and he begins to play with her mind and make her think that she's crazy because she trusts him and she loves him. Right. And he abuses that trust by uh, telling, like, she'll, he, put, he planted something in her purse, something very important to her. And then he took it out and then she, he told her she had lost it. And she was just going crazy. And she just got went crazier and crazier because she was living in a world of lies. She was isolated from other kinds of information, and she believed him, and she was just going crazy. And so that was that's the, that's the term. And he was, let, let's make this point, though. He was manipulating her for ulterior reasons. And yes. that's what's so important about this is because, of course, there are ulterior reasons for telling us that the gas lights are off, uh, you know, when they're, you can see they're on. This is the point, uh, and I'm so glad you made it with that historical analogy, because those ulterior motives, Sandy, and you, you address this every day, I know, with your folks, and I do with mine, those ulterior motives are trying to perpetrate the fundamental transformation of our country into something unrecognizable. And honestly, the only way you can conceivably get away with that, with an American public that doesn't want our country turned into this uh, Marxist operation or, you know, this this, this actually racist, uh, you know, um, nation, is to, you know, try to deceive them, try to manipulate them, try to control them in various ways. And again, I don't want to put too much burden on a board game, for heaven's sakes, but I do think that it's a new tool for all of us to use in terms of trying to push back and equip other people in our lives and people who should know and who are not likely to honestly 
go to school on this stuff or maybe even listen to your program, Heaven Forfend, but who <laughs> need to know what's going on in our country. And this is a way, a clever, fun way to get them engaged and knowledgeable and hopefully um, doing their part to ensure yes. that we're not gaslighted into oblivion. Let me just say again, you can get the board game at electionfund.com. Electionfund.com. It's just out. This just came out this month. So electionfund.com. This week? You know, pardon? This week, actually. This week? This week? Well, better yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frank, I'm reminded of something that you're very familiar with. And I remember this just, uh, I wasn't, you were working as an um, undersecretary of defense under Reagan, so you had a front row seat. I, I was at home with another front row seat. I lived in Berlin, but I, I remember Russia and the Cold War quite well. And one of the things I remember about Russia was their sense of humor. Uh, the Russians, in the midst of the oppression that they suffered for 60 years under communism, developed this sardonic sense of humor that is just hilarious, yes. and it, it remains today. And uh, um, and so humor was a wonderful way to deal with the oppression. And I think uh, it remains, it's a great weapon against our uh, the enemies who would oppress because they don't have any sense Indeed. of humor. And it's Indeed. sort of a, it has great power that's kind of hard to describe. Yeah. Well, it, this, I, that's such a great point too, Sandy. In this case, I think, as in that, we're dealing with the increasing effects of oppression. And the only way that the Russians actually could get away with, you know, resisting the regime, uh, the communist system, was to mock it in these jocular, you know, ways. And you're right, they developed it into an art form, and it was infectious. And it really, when Reagan came along, God bless him, you know, started challenging the evil empire, it was enormously empowering to people who had only been able to kind of resist it, you know, in these small ways, but who were inspired to up the game considerably on their, um, you know, their opposition, uh, their their sardonic humor, their criticism, their resistance. Here in our time, we've got a similar kind of problem, and humor absolutely has to be brought to bear. And what a concept. Conservatives could be hip and cool. Think about it. <laughs> well, I actually Could think that's effective. true. I think that that's actually true. But we just don't get any airtime. <laughs> I think we have the funniest people uh, and we have the best jokes. So that's what I think. But I this, we're not talking about like, we're not talking about playing a game as medicine. This is fun. I mean, this is really fun. I mean, you can see right. this box again, Hunter's Laptop Not Included. You know that these guys that design this are hilarious. And so it's electionfund.com. It's election 2020. You decide that's the name of the game. And uh, Frank Gaffney has brought it to our attention. Remember to listen to Secure Freedom Radio at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time on this network and hear the latest on national security. Frank Gaffney, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Sandy Reels in the morning, AFR Talk. I've got a book I've been working on for some years now. It's called Sweet Land of Liberty. Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Bishop E.W. Jackson. I think it really is an important response to the critical race theory nonsense and all of this racial demagoguery that has risen up like a cult. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India, rescuing little girls from abuse. In her 50-plus years of ministry, she witnessed the transforming power of the Bible. Sorrowful people are comforted. People who were in the dark walk in the light. 
Is it not wonderful to think that this book is in our hands today? Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane explore the wonders of the Bible weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, over 80% of American families were debt-free. Today, however, over 80% of the American people are saddled with debt. I was asked recently what advice I could offer in the midst of the national tension we currently face. One of the things I said in response was to work toward getting completely out of debt. So much fruitfulness and faithfulness to God has been robbed from us due to the impact of crushing debt. One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to become debt-free. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. A vacation with a purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's what some of our folks have called our spiritual heritage tours, which we're going to be doing again in 2022. Let me tell you what we do. We go on a trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We see early American history there. And then we go to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. We do these in June and September. They're perfect weather months in that part of the country. Stephen McDowell, who is a historian and author of America's Providential History, he will be our expert on the trip. So we'll have a historian joining us on these tours. It's going to be a wonderful time together in our nation's capital and in Colonial Williamsburg in 2022. June and September. If you want to go, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Frank Afting with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Biden wrecking operation's most devastating legacy could be its destruction of the value and reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar. The inflation racking Americans today is but a small foretaste of what will ensue if the dollar is dethroned. Yet that disaster now looms, thanks to the Democrats' reckless determination to add $5 trillion to the national debt, printing ever more greenbacks worth ever less. And Russian and Chinese determination to supplant the dollar is further intensified by Team Biden's threats to respond to their aggression by cutting off access to the dollar-dominated international banking system. And as financier Kyle Bass told our recent webinar on U.S. underwriting of the threats we face from the Chinese Communist Party, Beijing will soon launch its own cryptocurrency. Make no mistake, this dollar alternative will be weaponized against us and must be strenuously opposed. This is Frank Gaffney. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio. Oh, 
Well, what are we on, like day 700 of the 15 days to slow the spread? The fact of the matter is, I think we've learned, you give these people an inch, they will never let go. They are going to take a mile. They are going to restrict. They're going to mandate. They're going to lock you down. And we cannot accept that. Obviously, in Florida, we do not accept it. So there's no reason to be restricting or mandating anybody uh, throughout our country. And the fact that this is still going on in these blue states and may even intensify over the coming weeks and months, uh, it just shows you if you value your freedom uh, in 2022, if you're in those states, you need to make your voice heard and you got to do a change of direction because I fear that they're going to continue to do this until they suffer at the ballot box. Yeah, that was Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Maybe that's the reason why so many people are moving to Florida. Uh, New York emptying out, California emptying out for a reason. And I, I passed over the Supreme Court decision yesterday way too quickly, and I want to come back to it because it's too important. It's actually devastating to me. It's a horrible decision. It's simply that they would not hear the decision. They, uh, The health care workers of New York State who wanted a religious exemption appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court refused to hear it. All right, and it broke down like this. Um, all of the uh, liberal justices, of course, are loving mandates. But so evidently are Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Chief Justice John Roberts. The only people who actually felt that they should be stopped were Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, and Neil Gorsuch. Three only. Three only. Only three. Now, this mirrors, you know, they made a decision in October to refuse to block a similar state-level vaccine mandate in Maine. Uh, so they've weighed in now twice on these mandates. And I think they would say, oh, it's a state's rights issue. Uh, but others are saying, wait a second. This is what the dissenters, Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch wrote. Now thousands of New York health care workers face the loss of their jobs and eligibility for unemployment benefits. How in the world? How in the world can the Supreme Court not see that religious rights have precedence? Uh, I, it's part of our Constitution. How could they not know that? And so um, Gorsuch wrote, Today our nation faces not a world war but a pandemic. Like wars, through, though, pandemics often produce demanding new social rules aimed at protecting collective interests. And with those rules can come fear and anger at individuals unable to conform for religious reasons. Okay, that's all right. But what I wish, what I wish is that some doctors who know what they're talking about, who are not being, who are being censored on Facebook and, uh, and all the, the press, which evidently uh, Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett and John Roberts are clueless about, could go and brief them on what it is that they're causing. And the fact that there is not, there would not be a pandemic if people could get therapeutic drugs or if they could get drugs that treat them, like ivermectin and other treatments as well, Myo, uh, my, uh, monoclonal, anticlonal, I can't even think of the name of antibodies. You know what I'm talking about, monoclonal clonal antibodies. Uh, there are treatments. There are effective treatments, and yet they ignore that. There would not have to be a pandemic if people were treated properly. It could be over. And really, you could argue that there's no pandemic anymore. We have what now, I told you, Boris Johnson has announced there's one death from the Omicron variant in, in Britain. The World Health Organization told us yesterday there were no deaths reported worldwide 
as which makes me wonder about the one reported out of England. Really? Really? Or could it be maybe the way they count things like we talked about earlier in the show? Everyone has COVID. Yes, yes, the whole world has COVID because the numbers climb when people die from traffic accidents, but instead we'll call it COVID because there's money to be made by vaccine sales. Uh, We remember these vaccine manufacturers are paying politicians here in our country huge dollars to support them. It is so corrupt. It is dripping with corruption. Only this time the corruption is leading to death, and it just makes me livid. And then I want to go back to these comments. I want to sit more on them, too. Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, a frequent guest. I have a lot of respect for Chip. He used to be the chief of staff for uh, Ted Cruz. And a chip is just swinging away, and he says, Senate GOP, House GOP, do you see now why some of us fought to defund the VAX mandates in the CR and or in the National Defense Authorization Act? Never punt. Article 1 responsibility. And he's right. But they punted, and now the Supreme Court. Oh, my goodness. They're so courageous, aren't they? They took a principal stand, didn't they? That the New York healthcare workers who had wanted religious exemptions because I, I, Kavanaugh and Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett don't understand why people would be reluctant to you, to take vaccines that have had fetal tissue, fetal parts, fetal uh, generated fetal tissue uh, to develop these vaccines. They don't understand that, really, really. It makes me think, honestly, as I've indicated before, that I will be really surprised if they actually overturn Roe versus Wade. I have no faith that they will. Will. What do they really believe? What do they really believe? What are they willing to lay down their lives and their reputations for? Are you, I kind of think nothing. I think their reputations mean more to them than anything at this point. And that's why Mike Davis, Mike was the, uh, he was a staffer on the Judiciary Committee that actually, ironically, drove through uh, Brett Kavanaugh's uh, nomination. Remember what a horrible situation that was and what a circus it was. Mike Davis was the one responsible for actually uh, getting Kavanaugh through that hearing. Uh, you think it's the, you know, you think it's the senators. No, they don't. it's the staffers, the senators, the, the members of the House, with few exceptions. Chip Roy's an exception. Most of the time, the House members work harder than the Senate, but the Senate have all these young staffers, and they just read what they're handed. It's pretty much the way it works. And so Mike Davis um, got the nomination through, and this is what he says. Dear Supreme Court justices, you have lifetime tenure and pay protection. Your job is to protect every American, especially those with unpopular religious views, from government overreach. Stop acting scared of your shadows. Step up. Do your jobs. Now, more than ever, I wonder... I wonder, what would it take? Would it take one of their kids getting a COVID? I don't know what it would take, one of them getting COVID and getting treated by something that will save their lives. Are they going to be content to be put in the hospital on a respirator and be given remdesivir? Is that going to be okay with them? Or maybe they're just clueless. Do not think that people in authority and power are really smart or even uh, CEOs of companies. Trust me, I know firsthand that they are ignorant on so many issues, especially about politics and news. They know business or they know, you know, the law, but a lot of times they are clueless because they don't do the hard work of learning. Obviously, these justices, surely they don't understand. 
of, as I've said to you before, D.C. is a vortex. It's a vortex on the COVID issue. They are, they're scared to death. It's masks. It's, it's uh, vaccines. You see how Congress is, and they, they lack courage. Now, many people in Congress, especially the House, and a few in the Senate, like Ted Cruz, have finally, you know, found their voices, and they have a pretty clear understanding of this. Uh, but they're being roundly punished. You know they are, and that leads me to the next situation, the January 6th committee, the persecution, the persecution of the people that were in the Capitol on January the 6th or even on the grounds nearby. Uh, it's a process of persecution. Now it's anyone connected with President Trump who had anything to do or anything to say about that day. As a matter of fact, the guy that organized the event, um, I can't think of his name in this very moment, uh, but he was um, supposed to organize the Bob Dole funeral. He's a well-known organizer for conservatives in D.C., and he's worked for you know some of the best, the best of the best. And as I understand it, Mitch McConnell got word to the Dole family that that January 6th rally, so you should fire him. So they did. And that means in those circles in Washington, his career is over. That's what's happening. But of course, it gets more interesting. Uh, yesterday, Liz Cheney, who was one of the two Republicans on that committee, not chosen by the Republicans, which is what the rules say, that the minority members of that committee should have been chosen by Republican leadership, but the people that were chosen by Republican leadership uh, were uh, Jim Jordan and um, the guy from uh, Indiana. Jim, um, his name escapes me in this moment, but they're real fighters. Uh, and uh, Nancy Pelosi wasn't having it. She would not let them sit on the committee, but she chose Liz Cheney uh, and uh, Adam Kinzinger, who hate President Trump. So Liz is just doing a great job. Man, she is on top of it. In fact, uh, the committee went to the AT&T and the other uh, uh, phone committees and demanded the phone records and the personal email and the the uh, all of it from the people that were involved. And one of them was, was President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. So Mark is trying to cooperate. Uh, and uh, they uh, the, the phone company hands over his private information and Liz Cheney then sits on the dais yesterday and reads it out loud. This is clip 13. These text messages leave no doubt. The White House knew exactly what was happening here at the Capitol. Members of Congress, the press, and others wrote to Mark Meadows as the attack was underway. One text Mr. Meadows received said, quote, we are under siege here at the Capitol. Another, Quote, they have breached the Capitol. In a third, Mark, protesters are literally storming the Capitol, breaking windows on doors, rushing in. Is Trump going to say something? A fourth, there's an armed standoff at the House chamber door. And another from someone inside the Capitol. We are all helpless. Dozens of texts, including from Trump administration officials, urged immediate action by the president. Quote, POTUS has to come out firmly and tell the protesters to dissipate. Someone is going to get killed. In another, Mark, he needs to stop this now. A third, in all caps, tell them to go home. A fourth, and I quote, 
POTUS needs to calm this down. These non-privileged texts are further evidence of President Trump's supreme dereliction of duty during those 187 minutes. And Mr. Meadows' testimony will bear on another key question before this committee. Did Donald Trump, through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's official proceedings to count electoral votes? All right, uh, so I may have some comments on that. Yeah, I do. So they get the private correspondence of Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff of the president of the United States. They get that in a questionable format form because Mark Meadows is not guilty of any crime. He's not suspected of any crime. So to read them publicly like that is disgraceful. The committee is asking for this information, supposedly, so they can uh, ascertain the truth. Okay, so she reads them out loud, and what did we find out? That people texted Mark Meadows to tell him that things were going badly in the Capitol and that the president must do something. Well, first of all, could I just say that President Trump, on several occasions before this event, asked for Nancy Pelosi to allow the National Guard to be out there, and she said no. Over and over again they asked that because they knew there might be some trouble, and she said no. I, I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, what the people writing Mark thought President Trump could do in that moment. Would he go out to the, to the yard in front of the Capitol? Would he go inside himself? What was he supposed to do? He did say, as he finished his remarks, that they were going to the Capitol, and I, he used the word peacefully. Please go, please, he didn't even say inside. We're just going to go to the Capitol and go inside, not go inside. He said peacefully, go peacefully. What did they want him to do? I'm not sure about that. And also, uh, she's conveniently leaving out the part that we know now that it wasn't just Trump supporters in there. There were a lot of moles for the FBI. We know so much more about this. There were insiders who were planted in that crowd. Would they have stood down? They were actually, some of them, passing out weapons. And then people who were there in the Capitol were charged with carrying weapons. It is so distorted. Uh, and so Liz Cheney is just forever gone as far as I'm concerned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.